acorns are jumping off my Chinese house. Two ducks in my spyglass, for as a mouse is Welcome to Yarns at Yin Hu, a podcast about the fiber arts and other post-apocalyptic skills. Episode 198, Knit Happens to Help. Sunday, June 3rd, 2018. I'm your host, Sarah. You can find me on social media as Sarah Pomegranate. The Yarns at Yin Hu podcast has a Facebook page, and it's available on iTunes. Each time I record an episode, I post show notes, photographs, and links to things I talk about on my website, yarnsatyinhu.com. You can also find out about knit-alongs, contests, and anything that's going on with the podcast on my Ravelry page. That's the Yarns at Yin Hu group on Ravelry. Today's segments include the back porch, the front porch, a very special interview, and off the shelf. I neglected to mention a completed spinning project in my previous episode. Part of the reason for this is that I'm in a constant state of working on a small meditative spindling project every day of the year. This has been my practice for quite a while now, and so it sort of just slipped my mind that I had actually completed my 2017-18 spindling project. I start in May because I start with a new purchase of hobbledehoy fiber. Last year, I used a collection of bats. It was four ounces of bats in the wasabi and ginger colorway. So it was green and this really vibrant neon peach color. And I worked on spindling. I always just have a bit of fiber and one of my Turkish spindles from Turtle Maid Jen in my handbag. Over the course of the year, I spin and then I put completed turtles back in the fiber bag for storage. And then I completed that spindling just around the time I went to Maryland Sheep and Wool. And then I'm pretty sure I did the plying of that project when I returned. It's getting a little bit fuzzy now, my memory. But I plied this yarn on my wheel And from four ounces, I was able to get 541 yards of a very light fingering weight yarn. I plied it to preserve the color shifts as much as possible. So I have this beautiful, long, gradient yarn. I don't have any idea at the moment what I would do with it. I think it could make a very pretty chalette. It has a little bit of texture to it. I don't worry too much about getting my spindling perfect. 
I just think more about enjoying the process. And the hobbledehoy bats are really a pleasure to spin. So I'm already well on my way with my next batch of batlings. I purchased bat batlings at Maryland Sheep and Wool Festival this year. And I'll continue that process and ply again next spring. On the front porch is an open front cardigan designed by Hannah Fettig. It's called Bryce. The pattern has been around for quite a while. It was designed to be knit in Quince & Company's Sparrow, which is a linen yarn. However, I am committed to using some yarn for stash to knit projects on my queue, and I had two skeins of Swan's Island fingering weight yarn in the fig colorway. It's kind of a really luscious pinks and purples in I wouldn't say it's really variegated, but there is some variation in this yarn. And so I am alternating skeins, which turns out to be a little more work than I anticipated, kind of keeping everything untangled, especially now since I have separated for the sleeves and I have stitches on holders. There's a lot sort of hanging around off the sweater and threatening to get tangled. But I'm really enjoying the knitting of this. It's very simple and easy. It's a lot of back and forth stockinette. So a chance for me to practice keeping my tension even over the knit rows and the purl rows. And I'm also hoping that I have enough yarn to finish this project because I have quite a bit less than the pattern calls for in my size. However, I have been finishing projects with a lot of yarn to spare. And so I feel like I should be able to get this completed cardigan out of the yardage that I have, which is just over a thousand yards. I can always make the sleeves, you know, just as long as they can be with the yarn that I have remaining. So I've knit the yoke. It's um, a top-down sweater and separated for the sleeves. And now I'm just doing the knitting back and forth for the body of the sweater. This has a really nice um, relaxed collar that's attached later. Um, I really like the look of that. And I like the fit that I see in completed projects. I had been considering a featherweight sweater, but a lot of the reviews that I read said that, you know, tends to slide off the shoulders and this Bryce cardigan looks like it has more of a chance of staying put. Again, this is an item to add to my handmade wardrobe that will be suitable over sleeveless and strappy tops and really extend the life of my handmade garments into multiple seasons and for multiple occasions. This is exactly the kind of piece that I have quite a few commercially made items. And one of the things I'm working on with my handmade wardrobe is to create things that I use a lot that I've bought commercially or I've thrifted and gradually as those things wear out, replace them with things that I have made. So once again, that's the Bryce cardigan designed by Hannah Fettig. I'm knitting it in Swan's Island fingering weight yarn. 
in the fig colorway and I am using US size four needles for that. I'm very pleased to share an interview with you this episode. It's with two of my current students. My job is as a gifted and talented coordinator in a public high school district in New Jersey. And this year I had the great good fortune of mentoring two students in the fiber arts. These young women are friends. They have a long history of friendship and of helping one another out with their projects. And they have been working all year on a variety of different goals that they set for themselves in April of last year. April of 2017, they came up with their project design and they've been working on it for this entire school year. They earn credit for this endeavor and Their fiber arts work goes on their high school transcript. They are two of about 150 students in the district who are pursuing courses of their own design for credit. And each student selects a mentor to guide them through this process. So I'm very fortunate to be the mentor for these two students. I think I've learned just as much from them as they have from me, as is the usual case with mentoring a student. In my capacity as the coordinator of this program, it's my job to give students reflective thinking questions over the course of the year. And one of my objectives is to help students understand how failure, frustration, and challenge are part of the learning process. So one of the assignments was to interview your mentor. Students came up with a list of questions and then they set an appointment with the mentor and conducted the interview. And then in another assignment, they reflected on how it went and what they learned. So with my two students, I decided to flip that assignment. And instead of them interviewing me, I chose to interview them. I sent them questions ahead of time so they had an idea of what was coming up. We did go off script a little bit um, and we found a quiet place in school and recorded these interviews. So I'm very happy and proud to share them with you. All right, so first I'm gonna have you introduce yourself to the Yarns at Yinhu listeners. Hi everyone, my name's Emily. I'm an avid knitter, crocheter, and becoming a spinner, weaver, dyer, basically anything with fiber. What's on your needles right now? Right now, well, I have a lot of needles going at once. Uh, What I'm working on this second is a sweater, actually from my friend Elisa, who's sitting here with me. It was supposed to be a Christmas present, but I'm running a bit behind. Can you share with us a little bit of your fiber journey? How did you get started and how have you progressed to where you are now? So I was at summer camp when I was about 12 and I was very into sports and one day I fell and had some ligament problems in my foot, ended up in a cast for a couple months. Couldn't do soccer, couldn't do basketball or track or anything, so had to find a new activity. Picked up some knitting needles and never really put them down. 
since then I have started going to classes and watching YouTube videos and tutorials. My mom is also a knitter so she's helped me along the way too. Uh, since then Ravelry has also been an amazing community for learning new skills and meeting new people. Two years ago I attended my first New York Sheep and Wool Festival and that was the first time that I really got to meet the community of crocheters and knitters and fiber enthusiasts in an offline setting. That was amazing and really, that was really the first time that I got to experience other people who shared the same passion for fiber as myself. And that really pushed me to go further in my knitting and not only create but also design and share my love with other people. Since then, I've self-published on Ravelry and also through other publications. So where could we find some of your published patterns? So you can find everything on Ravelry. I have also been published through I Like Knitting Magazine, uh, Knit Now, and Knit Picks Windward Collection. Some really beautiful, that last one in the collection with all the cables is really beautiful. Thank you. I'm very proud of that one. What is some feedback or something that you really treasure that you've received online by way of compliments to your work that kind of sustains you or has helped build your confidence? There have been many. One of the biggest ones was I sent out a submission. Whenever I want to have something published, people put out calls for submissions generally, and I send them in. And for every yes you get, you get about 12 to 15 no's first. Uh, but what I really love about this community is that it's much more personal than a lot of other ones. So it's general, sometimes you just get a form letter back and it's like, sorry, we're not able to include it this time, but we love your pattern. We just had so many great submissions. Thank you so much for your time. But some of the time, I get notes back that are like, oh my gosh, Emily, we really love this. Your submission was so neat and we loved the format. It looks so pristine. And just to get that personal note back from someone and know that there's really somebody who actually looked at it and made the connection that there was a person who sat down and put it together is really great. Really keeps me going, regardless of the rejection. So one of the things about the GT or Gifted and Talented program here in our high school is that it affords students the opportunity to create a course of their own design and then with the guidance, not really the instruction, but with just the guidance and support of a mentor go on over the course of the year to reach their own goals. What are some of the goals that you set for yourself in an independent study this year and how are you doing on them? So my independent study focused on four major things, which was uh, learning, creating, designing, and teaching. So within each of those, I feel that I've really accomplished a lot. I've gotten to teach people in a one-on-one -on -one setting, in group settings, taught a couple teachers here at school, also other friends, and in group settings. Um, I have published many patterns also worked with other people to help them become designers uh, through the internet, but also personally. I've created so many things. I've made just, there's so many sweaters, so many hats. I've also learned so many new techniques. What's really great about this program was I was able to put together a curriculum 
of subjects that interested me and be able to really focus in on those and learn new skills such as brioche or lace or anything like that. I was able to sit down and say, okay, I want to learn to do this and be able to show my progress by being able to incorporate that into a new pattern or into a shawl or be able to follow this pattern and create this. So that's something that the program really allows me to do and is just absolutely amazing. What's something you'd like to do still before, we only have two months left, is there anything that you're still working toward before we get to the end of the year? Before we get to the end of the year, something that I really would like to finish putting together is to start a YouTube channel with instructional videos. I feel that it would really be a big culmination of everything that I've learned and accomplished during my uh, gifted and talented independent study to be able to put the skills that I've learned in teaching and in creating together to help others learn and create with the same passion that I have. So, Emily, you have recently decided on your college plans for next year, and they intersect with the fiber arts. So tell us a little bit about that. They do. I'm going to be attending the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, studying fiber and material studies. So that incorporates so many different facets, a lot of which I have not gotten the opportunity to do yet, but am so looking forward to. Uh, there's, I mean, they have all the basics, knitting, spinning, weaving, dyeing, but there's also screen printing on textiles, they have digital looms, they have knitting machines, they have they have everything. You walk in there as a fiber lover and you're just like, oh my gosh. You're just like dumbstruck. It's amazing. So I'm so looking forward to be able to incorporate that into everything I'm doing. Awesome. Any final words? Not that I can think of, no. <laughs> Alright, thank you so much, Emily. Thank you. So would you like to introduce yourself to Yarns at Yinhu listeners? Hello, I'm Elisa. I am a junior. I've been crocheting for three years and knitting for a little over a year. Tell us a little bit about your fiber journey. How'd you get started? Um, well, three years ago, I was at my sister's uh, basketball practice she was learning how to play it was like a little clinic and I was sitting there and there was nothing for me to do there so one of the parents was crocheting and I saw them and I was intrigued and so I went up to them and I asked them like um what are you making and they were making a hat and the next day she brought two hooks and some yarn and I learned how to crochet a hat within the three days of my sister's basketball practices and yeah. And so since then what are besides the crochet what are some other things that you have tried in the fiber arts? I have dyed yarn, I have knitted a hat, I've done a few weaving samples that haven't really gone that well. <laughs> you live and you learn. Um, 
I've crocheted mittens, scarves. Uh, I'm working on um, a blanket made of trash bags that were that's going to be donated to the homeless down in Newark, and that's been time consuming. And oh, I've done stuffed animals. Those are fun. So one of the things in your um, proposal for the independent study, you talked about helping others and really having a positive effect on the community with your fiber arts. And during over the course of this year, you've been working on a proposal and it intersects with your Girl Scouting. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about big picture sort of what goal, what set of tasks are you taking on for yourself with this project? So I'm a Girl Scout and I am working on my gold award and I've been working on the proposal for that and getting that paperwork in and my proposal is that I am going to either crochet or knit hats, scarves, mittens, a whole bunch of stuff and then give it to the homeless and kind of do like a reach out. Why is this important to you? Um, this is important to me because my church goes down there and like what we do is uh, we make sandwiches and we work with this other uh, organization and we go down and we hand out sandwiches and like clothes and whatever they may need and in the winter months it gets a little colder and more people aren't donating stuff for the winter during the winter because they need it for themselves and so um, my project is trying to get all the like winter gear set so when we do hit winter time again that will be good and people can stay warm in their times of needs. And you go to a particular location with your church each time, right? Yes. Where do you go? We go right outside of Penn Station down in Newark. So Newark Penn Station, not yes. New York Penn Station. Yes. Got it. And if someone were thinking about assisting with this, because obviously you're not going to make all of this yourself, mm -hmm. right? So first, what groundwork did you lay so that you are not going to be making all these hats, mittens, and scarves? Um, I started a group at my church, um, and I've taught kids my age and, like, younger to older um, people how to crochet, and um, I've gotten them to help with that, so... We start easy and just make a few hats, simple. And then when they get the hang of it, I've gotten a lot of donations of scarves from them. So sometimes yarns at Yinhu listeners have an interest in contributing fiber items knitted or crocheted to a charity like this. If someone were thinking about doing that, uh, what could they do? Um... Well, I'm looking for, like, hats, scarves, mittens, um, basically any winter wear that you can make. 
and for any particular group, like who who seems to be the most in need when you visit Newark Penn Station? Um, there's a lot of families, so like when they're there, they have like bigger families, so like there's families with five kids and they're trying to support them all. So like younger kids need a lot and like the parents will try to get stuff and then give it to their kids first. So it really varies with ages. So ages, sizes, men, women, Mm -hmm. everybody. Yes. What are some goals that you have for yourself in terms of the fiber arts? Um, I would like to improve um, my skills, and my good friend Emily has helped me so much, and whenever I have a question, I always go to her, because she's more of a professional than me. Um, Yeah. Speaking of which, you guys are making a road trip this summer. Yes. We are. Do you want to say a little bit about that? You want to talk about it? Um... You want me to talk about it? You can talk about it. I'll talk about it. All right, get a little closer. So, we're driving from New Jersey to Schaumburg, which is just outside of Chicago, to attend Stitches Midwest this summer. We're going to have a really fun road trip. Uh, and while you're there? While we're there, we can do classes and knitting and crocheting, pajama party, student fashion show, and banquet, all sorts of fun events. There's a student fashion show? There's a student fashion show. So that is personally my favorite event. What I've gone to a couple of these. What is <laughs> What is the student fashion show? The student fashion show is that you all, everybody who's attending the convention goes, and rather than having professional models come and show pieces that other people have made, everybody who attends can, can go walk the runway and show off things that they've made. And this is one of your favorite events. It's one of my favorite events because you get people who have made absolutely stunning, I mean, everything looks fantastic, but you have stunning shawls and dresses. And of course, then you have the really fun people who make gorgeous socks that they want to show off. So they walk to the end of the runway, lay on their back and stick their feet in the air to show everyone. (laughs) So it's just a really great time. The announcers always are very fun. Tons of jokes. It's great. That's going to be fun. Okay, let's end with favorites. So for each of you, do you have like a favorite fiber tool or notion or thing that you can't live without? (laughs) Surprise question. Um, I'd say crocheting because it was the first thing I learned. And so, to me, it's much easier through practice, so. So you always go back to that. Yes. Love it. So knitting for me is going to be my favorite craft forever. In terms of tools, I have this one, like, totally destroyed plastic Ziploc bag that just has all of my... Still have that? I still have that, yes. (laughs) With all of my favorite, most used double-pointed needles and crochet hooks and tapestry, just everything I could possibly need ever. Tape measures, scraps of yarn that I use to make stitch markers, just everything. So that I basically can't live without. I carry it everywhere. 
get it through airports. Sometimes security is like, what is this? I'm like, I'm a knitter. <laughs> I'm a knitter. I'm a knitter. That explains it all. Exactly. All right, that's a great place to conclude. Thank you both very much. A little follow-up information since that recording, which I think we recorded those interviews at the end of April. So a lot has happened since then. Uh, This past week, I met with both Emily and Elisa for kind of an exit interview for the GT program. We reflected on the year of progress. Emily admitted that though she really wanted to, she will probably not be able to start recording tutorials on a YouTube channel this year, but it's something that she wants to work on over the summer months. So I will link to those when they arrive, but in the meantime, I will link to some of her pattern designs, which are absolutely fantastic. I will also include a photograph of her display in our senior art show. I posted some photographs and also a little bit of video on my Instagram feed of Emily's work at our senior art show. And I think you will enjoy taking a look at that. Aliza is inching ever closer to submitting her proposal for her gold award and having it approved by her troupe. And I have made it my mission to assist Elisa in collecting warm weather wear for her Girl Scout Gold Award. Over the course of the year, I have been the recipient of some generous donations. People who listen to the podcast send a check and say, here's some money to help with your podcast. And I would like to use that money as a way, like pay it forward with those contributions and turn them into gift certificates that will be prizes for donations. So I have enough in the way of contributions for $100 in gift certificates. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up the first $25 gift certificate for a drawing when I receive 25 contributions for Elisa's project. And then once I receive those, I'll open up another gift certificate. And my objective is to try and collect 100 items, at least 100 items, to assist her with her goals. Her project is called Knit Happens to Help, which I think is really amusing and clever. And I really want to help her. I will certainly knit some things and crochet some things of my own, but I think I can enlist Yarns at Yinhu listeners to help out a little bit too. And the gift certificates will be to online yarn shops or Etsy stores of your choice. Anything where I can buy a gift certificate online and let you access it is fair game as far as I'm concerned. So hopefully this, in addition to Alisa's description of her project, is motivation for you to join in and help out. Off the Shelf 
I've been searching around on the Poetry Foundation website for something to share with you at the conclusion of this episode, and I found a piece by A.E. Stallings, Alicia Stallings. She was born in 1968, studied classics at the University of Georgia and Oxford, and she is currently director of the Poetry Center in Athens, Greece. She's interesting in that she has really great use of classical illusion and form to illuminate contemporary life. In interviews, she has spoken of the importance of classical authors on her own work. As she said, the ancients taught me how to sound modern. This was in an interview that she gave to Forbes magazine. They showed me that technique was not the enemy of urgency, but the instrument. And so that's a very um, unique perspective. Uh, A lot of contemporary poets really hold classical form at arm's length. And here is this younger poet really embracing that. The title of this piece is called Knitting for Poets, colon, Elizabeth Zimmerman. And I will read you the postscript before the poem because I think that will be illuminating. At the end of this piece, she says, For much of what she says, I can substitute poetry for knitting. So back to the beginning. The only thing that approaches the satisfaction of finishing a poem is completing a sweater. Okay, admittedly, I stick to sonnet-length baby sweaters, but still. Composing a poem and creating a fabric, whether weaving or knitting, actually have a surprising amount in common. Not least, a lot of terms. Take the word text itself, for example. Line, related to linen. We spin yarns in our narrative poems. Poets spend a lot of time wool gathering. And there is the similar pleasure in watching something magically form beneath our hands. Knitting patterns have much in common with metrical poetry. The row is the line. Patterns of stitches are like feet, elaborate or simple, playing out in on and off syllables in pearl and knit, with occasional wild substitutions like lace stitches or cables, texture and color, the pleasure of materials, gauge. Elizabeth Zimmerman, 1910 to 1999, is the foremother of modern knitting. She emphasized elegance of design, nearly seamless sweaters, circular needles, the arithmetic of proportions. She encouraged people to knit without being slavishly tied to patterns. She modestly called her rather scientific design discoveries her unventions. She is also a wonderful writer, and her directions are delightfully chatty and sharply intelligent and full of wisdom and verve. Sometimes she is aphoristic, knit on with confidence and hope through all crisis. There is a Jane Austen flavor to her wit. If there is one fact on which all grandmothers agree, it is that no daughter-in-law knows how to wash wool. She can be lyrical, 
Washing a real sweater is akin to bathing a baby and brings the same satisfaction of producing a clean, pretty, sweet-smelling creature. Very rewarding. She is often funny. Dorothy Case links her needle guards with wool. Then they can both be lost together. And sometimes her patterns and advice read themselves like found poems. Here is her description of needles made from different materials, from knitting without tears. I would title it simply, Needles. Wood. Very useful in the larger sizes, say 10 to 15. Well-worn needles can become well-loved. Their benevolent clack is soothing and brings back the feeling of childhood. New needles, not mellowed, may be broken in with sandpaper or steel wool and light application of paste wax or linseed oil, but the best finish is attained by years of use, preferably with natural oiled wool. Bone. These have become quite rare and should be reassured. Sandpaper helps them too. Steel. The original clicking needles, which come in small sizes for socks and lace, they tend to rust, so get out the steel wool and oil them lightly before putting them away. Tortoiseshell and ivory. Museum pieces cherish them. Celluloid. The famous old fire hazard, but why sit so close to the candle? Extremely brittle, not to be sat upon. Aluminum. Good rigid needles. If the outer coating has worn off, watch out when using them with natural oily wool, sometimes called boot wool. The lanolin in the wool causes the metal to blacken, and this will come off on your knitting. No great tragedy, as it washes out quite easily, but rather unsettling. A six aluminum needle has been known to furnish an excellent emergency shear pin for an outboard motor. It once saved us seven miles of paddling. Then I had to spend hours repointing the needle on rocks, having nobly but foolishly offered the business end instead of the knob end for sacrifice. Plastic coated metal, an excellent rigid needle, bends when sat upon, but is easily bent back. Plastic or nylon, splendid for those who like flexible needles. Walrus tusk. It is pure boasting to mention these. I own a few sets and use them reverently. They are as gently curved as the tusk from which they sprang. For much of what she says, I can substitute poetry for knitting. If you hate to knit, why, bless you, don't. Follow your secret heart and take up something else. But if you start out knitting with enjoyment, you will probably continue in this pleasant path. Consider the agreeable material and tools. Acorns jumping off my Chinese house Two ducks in my spyglass For as a mouse it's a It's a mighty fine, mighty fine. 
Thanks for listening. Music for this episode is so sweet. Music and lyrics by Samuel St. Thomas, performed by Bovine Social Club. Eat well and stay strong as you hone your post-apocalyptic skill set this week.
Yeah. 